For your consideration, Max presenting the HBO original Barry, starring Bill Hader in the explosive and hilarious final chapter of a man trying to untangle himself from the world of contract killing and immerse himself in acting. Nominated for three SAG awards, including outstanding performance by an ensemble in a comedy series. Barry is now streaming on Max. From Variety, celebrating more than 118 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. The directors behind the Oscar-nominated animated film Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse were excited to tell a story that they knew might not have the same emotional impact in live action. I grew up watching so many animated films, and what attracts me to the medium is that you can express the emotions of your characters, what's going on, their internal stories. You can project it onto the screen in a way that you can't in any other medium. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this episode of the award-winning Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talk to Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse directors Kemp Powers, Joaquin Dos Santos, and Justin K. Thompson about their hits and now Oscar-nominated film. Also on this episode, The Roundtable discusses why this feels like an extra-long Oscar season, and we recap a fantastic Grammy Awards telecast. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Well, hello, everybody. It is the longest Oscar season in history, it feels like. We're still talking about the Oscars, but we're talking Grammys, too. We'll talk about DJs, all sorts of stuff. Let's get into it. I've never done that before. Maybe that should be my new catchphrase, by the way. Hey, let's get into it. I'm Variety's TV editor, Mike <laughs> Schneider, along with Janelle Riley, Jazz Tanke, and Clayton Davis. Hey, gang, let's get into it. You're, you're on location. <laughs> you're on location from Georgia. Yes, I'm at the SCAD TV Festival. I'm going to moderate a bunch of panels, including a Frasier reboot panel with Kelsey Grammer and the new cast. And also, we're giving out an award to the showrunner, uh, Charlotte Stout, of uh, The Morning Show. And uh, I'm doing a couple other, an animation panel, a executives panel, uh, Death and Other Details panel, the Hulu show with Mandy Patinkin. So I'm all over the map. And uh, hopefully, we'll have time to get some good food and and hang out. And Is Mandy there? Atlanta. Mandy is not here. He is not on the panel. It's the showrunners oh. and, and oh. stars. So... He knew, he, he knew you would ask Janelle, and he just didn't want he was like, know no. where he was. It's in his rider that he won't do a panel with Mike Schneider. Only with Janelle. <laughs> Only with Janelle. And there's like, oh, wait, Janelle's not moderating this panel? Never mind. I'm not going to Atlanta. Never going to panel with Mandy Patinkin. Yeah. I have paid yeah. to see him in concert multiple times. He's the best. Yeah. He, no, he's, he's, he's such a showman. Such a showman. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the greatest like, showman. <laughs> and I feel like he's he seems like a genuinely good person. Like him and his wife like do those amazing videos, their their TikToks, and and this has become a Mandy Patinkin Stan podcast. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Did I ever yeah. tell you about the time um my car got broken into and they stole all my Mandy Patinkin CDs, but they left behind my DVDs of the first three seasons of House. And wow. I was like, I don't know what that said. They were like, ooh, not this, but I'll take Mama Lotion. Or Hugh Laurie. Yeah, he's doing just fine. <laughs> That's amazing. I guess maybe those Mandy Patinkin CDs uh, sell better on the uh, the black market than house not, DVDs. It, yeah. It wasn't just a Mandy Patinkin CD. It was one done entirely on Yiddish. Wow. That's wow. very specific. 
<laughs> There's Very an audience specific. out there, I guess. Um, so I was joking at the start, but I, I, I kind of feel like we're still talking about the Oscars. Doesn't this you, feel like you know, this is... You know what's interesting about that, Mike? This isn't the longest Oscars in history. That was when I started at Variety in 2020. Yep. And it yep. was until the end of April. That's so true. Actually, it's not. But what, I think where we are is I think this is the second year in a row, correct me if I'm wrong, Janelle, that I think we have a really long base too. It's like seven weeks. Mm-hmm. It feels and, like it. And and that is what's new because nominations happen and then there's seven weeks until the ceremony. By the way, Oscar final Oscar voting starts in, I think, T minus exactly 20 days from now. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, 20 days. No, no, no. I'm sorry. That's when it concludes. Yeah. So no, two weeks then, than, right? Yeah. Like, or something. Yeah. yeah, like two and a half, three weeks. So we're going to. Uh, I think it's like the 20th, right? The 22nd 20th to the 27th. 20th. Yeah. And then the show is until March 10th. So there's going to be this like <laughs> 11 day period of nothingness. And it's going to feel even more. Long. Well, not nothingness because we'll have SAG Awards and. Yeah. And okay, you know, DJ is the SAG Awards. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, DJ is yeah. this weekend, right? DJ is this weekend before the nominees luncheon, which is new and fun. And actually, they they really stepped into it this year because it's so probably the most anticlimactic DGA ceremony that there ever will be. I mean, you say that, but you don't know. You don't know, but something wild but we, could happen. But, but, but we feel like we do know. I mean, yes. if anything, like DJ feels like it's Nolan's to lose, and then and then we'll have nominees luncheon. Then we have BAFTA the 18th. Then Oscar voting will start opening on that Friday after. And then SAG is that Saturday. So this uh, is interesting because usually they have WGA the night before BAFTA and people have to choose. Because that's right. Like they, they're not like Taylor Swift who can make time go in reverse mm-hmm. so she can get to the Super Bowl on time. Um, they actually, you know, have to pick one or the other to get to London in time for the BAFTA awards. And this year that will not be an issue. Good but, there's, the, the, but there's still like a whole lot of like running around that has to happen in between them. But regardless, I think that um, there's so movement. My column this week is about the most wide open races that we have. And I would definitely say best actor is pretty wide open as much as we think it's down to like two. And then can get a little messy with SAG. So I'm always ready. for. Yeah, I'm not calling anything till I see what SAG yeah, does. I'm, re- I'm, yeah. I'm ready for something messy there. We like mess. Uh, we like mess. Yeah, we like mess. Uh, both screenplay categories because, yeah. because of the switcheroo yeah. of Barbie. And then, believe it or not, I think production design and costume design, because it's yeah. like, do Barbie, does Barbie take both? Does four things take both? Do they split? And if you split, you can split the wrong way. Well, we'll what? find out about production design because ADG hands it out on Saturday night, the same night as GGA. Yeah. So we'll have an inkling. Wait, wait, are you telling me ADG and DGA? They can only the use so night. many letters in the alphabet. There are only three <laughs> letters in the, the entire night. alphabet on the <laughs> yeah. same night. But you know, also, we but, are good. We are really assuming that these acting races are close or like down to two people. And the truth is we don't know because that guild will not weigh in until the 25th. We know what people mm-hmm. are saying, but like, you know, it, we, we might be thrown a curveball. You never know. And listen, as someone who was guilty of this last year, at the same point last year, we were like, Angela Bass is about to win an Oscar because she had yeah. one Globe yeah. and uh, CCA. And we were like, okay, enjoy the ride. And then SAG happened. Jamie Lee Curtis gave the speech of her life, and then it was over. And how much overlap is there between uh, Golden Globe and CCA voters and Oscar voters? Uh, maybe like one or two, but no. 
I don't think there's zero. Actually, I think there is an really? Oscar voter in each one. Like one. But, okay. Like one. Yeah. one. Not one percent. That's the most one. influential. Yes. But, but it'll be interesting to see what, sorry, what BAFTA so, does too. Yep. But here's, right? a, but here's the thing, BAFTA that has the most overlap with the Oscars shit the bed last year and only one winner at the entire BAFTA ceremony translated to an Oscar win last wow. year. Wow. Supporting actress? No, who was no, it? No, editing. For everything else. Oh, I thought you meant the acting categories. Wow, oh, none that's of incredible. The, none of the acting categories transferred nope, last yeah. year. Awesome nope. but Butler lost, Kate Pete Blanchett, Blanchett lost, Barry yeah. Keoghan, Carrie Carrie Khan. Wow. And all quite on the Western front in picture. That yes. is baffling. Uh, <laughs> goodbye. Click unfollow, unsubscribe. Hello? <laughs> Hitting and... the microphone. Hello? <laughs> yes. You guys still there? Did I lose so you? I think we went through a tunnel. Hello? <laughs> but uh, but just in, in addition to that, uh, production line and costume design are pretty wide open. I think obviously documentary because it turned into a messy race because our front runners are gone. So we have to kind of figure that one out. And back to a Mike Schneider question from like three weeks ago. What are movies? What are movies? <laughs> what are movies? But, but his follow-up after that was like an original song. What can happen? If Barbie's splitting votes and who comes mm. up the middle. Do we ever see evidence of splitting votes? Because people always say that. And then I feel like. I think I think we. So the most immediate thing that jumps in my head. Someone asked me this recently. Sean Penn, Mystic River was a come up was a split vote between the comedy vote splitting between Bill Murray and Johnny Depp. And Sean Penn came up the middle. I thoroughly believe that was a split vote because Bill Murray, by the way, won everything that year. The only thing Sean Penn won was the Golden Globe. Bill Murray didn't win SAG. Johnny Depp won SAG. Right. Yeah. So yeah. That was, that, I think that was the classic of a split up the middle. But yeah, we don't see a lot of them sometimes, but they do happen. But also the same performance, uh, from, I'm sorry, the same movie being represented in the same category, which there are... I'm just Ken people, and there are just Billie Eilish people, and that's where it gets interesting. Yeah, although after like after a- Grammys, I almost kind of feel like it's Billie Eilish. Uh, she's she's just the power of Billie Eilish mm-hmm. feels feels strong. And it's a great song. It is. it is a great song. It is a great song. And also, we we talked about this before. What are you voting for in this category? Are you voting for the song itself? Or are you voting for how it? moves the movie forward and i think most people are voting for the song itself yeah yeah Yeah. but okay say we were in a world where the two barbie songs split what is the third one is it the one from killers of the flower like i don't know what yeah no i think killers of the flower moon has a real shot at that because it is so vital to the story it's not like anything else in the lineup but i feel like every time two songs are nominated one of them wins i'm thinking back to la la land as my last example like, mm-hmm. I don't know if we've ever yeah. really seen evidence of a split in song or um, the other time I'm thinking is uh, when supporting actors. I remember when Sam Rockwell and Woody Harrelson were nominated against each other for three billboards. Sam Rockwell still won. Like, I don't yeah. know that there really is. I mean, ba- ba- Banshee, Banshee's last year. I think Barry and Brendan were probably splitting votes with each other because there were like, because if you would have asked me who was going to win BAFTA, I would have said Brendan Gleeson, not Barry Keoghan. And then Barry yeah. ended up winning that. So, I mean, yes, there isn't, uh, it doesn't happen as often as people like to say it does, but. Well, they assume it does, but they, we don't really They assume know. it, yeah, and you never know the vote tally. I, I still say this, and Mike, I need you to note this. If I ever get some disease that is, is going to take me out, I'm a Make-A-Wish kid. You have to send in a letter to them 
and ask them, my make-a-wish is to see the vote tally of the Oscars of history. What's a what's a letter? <laughs> you mean an email? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think they might still do letters. For but, but that's the final, the final wish of uh, you know, in, instead that's of seeing the, the the unfinished uh, Star Wars movie or or whatever. Don't care about no. Yeah. The PWC want, tally count. That's what yeah. he wants. Pricewaterhouse Cooper just opened the book to me. Give me an hour with it. Yeah. Just to look through everything. And, and then, then he, take it away. And then and he then went peacefully. Then he went peacefully. And he went peacefully with <laughs> a smile the on my face. Could you at least scroll down a couple of pieces of information with, with right. your dying breath? No, the you rest can't of us? say that because then they're going to say no. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> okay. I love but how I, the scenario is so realistic in your mind that you're making <laughs> contingencies. Oh, I'm totally, me. I'm totally going for it. It's good. It's going to happen. Um, but, it's gonna, you're going to get a terrible disease. Why no, are you wishing no, this on no, yourself? No, I'm just doing the 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 letter. Mm. Um, oh, you know what he's going to do, and this may be too old in a reference for all you kids out there, but. He, he's going to uh, send a letter to Muhammad Ali, who's going to show up on his deathbed. And then <laughs> and then Willis is going to be like, you know, what are you doing, Arnold? What are you doing? And Arnold will be, what you talk about, Willis? And yep. then, yeah. And Mrs. Garrett will come in and say, yeah. oh. Yeah. And there you go. Uh, by the way, just to answer your question, Janelle, double uh, original song nominees that have lost, both Princess and the Frog had two, lost to Crazy Heart. Uh, Enchanted had three, all lost to once. And Dreamgirls had three, all lost to Melissa Etheridge. Wow. Those are all hard. Like, those are all people who are going to win anyway. <laughs> well, no, the, maybe, no, maybe not Melissa Etheridge, but those yeah, other two Dream, were, yeah. Listen, Listen was supposed to win that year. Oh, oh, you know, I do love that song. I do, too. It's great. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but to your point, like, the, the Grammys of it all definitely gave a much needed boost yeah uh, yeah it was a reminder that people still i mean uh phineas and, and billy eilish are awards bait and and people love those two and it is an emotional song and and i think there will be per perhaps that moment where people are like listen i love i'm just ken but what am i doing here this is a movie about barbie and it seems a little little wrong to be voting for a song mm -hmm. about ken but that uh, song the, is don't, so don't, don't make the, yeah, I was going to say, don't make the best song a Ken song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. It's um, such a good song. It's, I it's, know. That's on the filmmakers it, thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it, I mean, listen, it moves the plot forward. It yep. is probably it's Ryan Gosling's Oscar scene. Mm -hmm. And it is like a six minute sequence of just deliciousness. It, it, it's so great. But uh, the Grammys, looking at that, by the way, shout out to Chris Willman correctly predicted the top four major categories and many shout out to me predicted all the film categories correctly. Oh, that's, that's on brand. <laughs> he did. He that's did. on brand. And, and yeah, definitely shout out to Chris. Chris knows his stuff. I gotta say he knows his and, stuff. And he did what I always call the perfect world split. We did this in uh, the Birdman Grand Budapest year and Richard Linklater year boyhood is when we think we want to give one to everyone. So everyone walks out with something and it never works out that way. He did it and it actually happened. It, it, it worked. It, it, it's kind of the perfect mix of Taylor got the album stuff and, and the singles went to everyone else. Billie Eilish got song of the year and Miley got record of the year, which by the way, very appropriate. I do too. I, I love, love Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus, by the way, I, I, I said this to Jazz uh, during the Grammys. I turned to her and I said, when did I become a person that loves Miley Cyrus? She's like, great. No, no, but like, but like, really loves her. Like, I think she yeah. gave the second best performance of the night behind Tracy Chapman. 
I didn't realize she um, had never won a Grammy before. Tracy Chapman? Or no, Miley? Uh, the, oh. Miley Cyrus. Oh. Because Miley. I don't know anything about music. And like I was telling Mike, I would never normally watch the Grammys. And I'm so glad I happened to kind of stumble on it and nothing else was on TV because it was such a great show. Yeah. It's such a good yeah. concert. It has like five awards. <laughs> it was it was it felt like a concert and i have to say like to the to your question of like when did you become like a miley thing like a, a miley fan or whatever i remember the hoedown throwdown yeah for me it was jolene day. when she did jolene i became a, a big fan although yeah. i always loved wrecking ball oh, okay. she's, was... had, she's had a great song it just I, I think she's i think uh our music editor jen oswald might have said this uh recently she is like undercover a fantastic vocalist like i think she's a fantastic singer and i don't think we talk about that enough i think we've all like it's been her aura and like you know breaking out of hannah montana but she is a technically very proficient singer yeah yeah she can can build I, I think the, the yeah. two people we underappreciate uh, for their singing power is uh, Miley Cyrus and Pink. Uh, you know, we we forget that Pink is one of the greatest singers out there. Mm. Uh, she's so yeah. underappreciated, yeah. but uh, yeah. she can she just has the pa- this powerful voice, and Miley does too. Uh, you know, My, Miley was incredible. I would say yeah. Tracy definitely the best performance of the night. Uh, moved me oh. to tears. Mm-hmm. Um, brought me to tears. Uh, Joni Mitchell, though, uh, you know, brought me the tears as well. Oh boy, yeah. Um, I had to I had to explain to my daughter who Joni Mitchell was when I got home. Uh, somebody had to explain to me who Luke Combs was, and now I am a fan because the way that he was gazing at Tracy Chapman and the tribute that he gave her before the song even started, yeah. Plus the duet was just so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. No, it was great. But yeah, no, it's yeah. funny. Um, for for Joni Mitchell, yeah, I brought my son to to the Grammys. Uh, my fourteen year old son. Okay, so who, who wasn't at the Grammys? <laughs> Apparently, everybody went to the Grammys. <laughs> La di freaking da. Do you know where I was? I was at the Smokehouse, covered in blood. Thank you very much. You were not that... driving home in like the torrential rain. Oh though. my god, getting there was hell on earth. Though. Yeah, well, I heard Miley was you know afraid she was going to miss it. But oh, and I should reference, I was covered in blood because I was going as a, my friend had a dresses me party. And she once guest starred on uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia as someone who Charlie Day vomits blood on. So I went as her character from that show and covered myself in fake blood, which I thought wouldn't. I mean, it's L.A. I didn't think anybody would think it was a big deal. But uh, the people who freaked out at the Smokehouse Cafe, uh, I I actually feel really bad about. I mean, it's a good cover story, Janelle, for the murder. Uh, Yeah, that too. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't, hey, stay on the order, man. Yeah. Please don't look uh, under the porch. But yeah, so my, my, I brought my 14 year old who is now obsessed with music, in particular jazz music. Um, but, uh, you know, he just really appreciates music in general. He wants to be a musician one day. Uh, but, you know, for him, uh, it, earlier this summer, we went to a tribute to Wayne Shorter, the uh, jazz musician who passed away, and Joni Mitchell was a surprise guest. And then seeing her mm. again Sunday night, I'm wow. like, you're, you're, you're not going to appreciate this now, but one day, you're going to be able to tell people that you've seen Joni Mitchell twice yeah. on yep. stage and people are going to be quite impressed. So you, you don't know who she is now, but one day you will. And one day people are going to be wowed that you got to see her twice. One day you'll thank me, son. Exactly. <laughs> you, pulled that, you pulled that old shtick. Huh? I, the total Homer Simpson moment. One day. <laughs> when you finally see the itchy and scratchy movie. Exactly. Um. I also have to shout out, like, and this, by the way, like, when you say it on its face, it sounds weird. 
Victoria Monet, who won Best New Artist, deservedly so, by the way, the oldest person ever to win that award at 34 years old. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Do you know who the oldest was before that? Anyone know? Millie Vanilli. No. Nice try, though. It was was Sheryl Crow. Oh, how old was Sheryl Crow? 33. 33. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. We're in a a seven-year stretch of women, uh, solo women, winning uh, Best New Artist. By the way, Victoria Monet, I would never have guessed. Victoria Monet, um, variety cover. Uh, Again, our music team called it. Good call. Good call. Yeah. Good. Can I, um, can I, you know, about, you know, uh, Victoria Monet being 34 in the middle of the show, I was like, my God, Victoria Monet is gorgeous. And then I caught myself. I said, wait a minute. I was sitting with some people. I was like, can someone look out, look up how old she is? They're like, why? She's definitely over 18. I was like, no, she'd be 17 for all I know. I mean, it's very important for you, for me, <laughs> right. for you to look that up real quick to make sure that was appropriate. And they were like 34. I was like, yes. That's you're right. going like, to right. change your feelings. Oh, <laughs> yes. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have retold this story. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. You're going to change your feelings like, publicly. Yeah. How amazing was it, though, when Celine Dion came out? Like, there was the rumor, and then she, her name. Well, well, someone had a video of her in the stadium, so people knew she was there, but we didn't know what she was doing, though she was just, like, sitting and enjoying the show, probably in a box. Uh, but, no, she uh, presented Taylor with her fourth album of the year, which is a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of albums yeah. of the year. Yeah. No, it's a record. It's a record. And you know, it's, it's, I was, any of you Swifties? I um I really enjoy her music. I don't think I qualify yeah. as a Swiftie. I, I yeah, appreciate same. her. I appreciate her. And yeah. I yeah. hope that she saves democracy yeah. later this year. I, I, exactly. I was talking, I, my, my wife, Jessica became a Swiftie this past year, so I just learned who my wife is. And I, <laughs> and, and and a Swiftie I know had told me that he believed that this album was her least of her album wins of her like discography. Mm-hmm. And I asked my wife that, and we were like going back and forth, and she's like, "No, I think this is one of her best." But it's also just one of those artists, kind of like when we talk about a Kate Blanchett problem, you're not comparing it to other things; you're comparing it to yourself. So it's interesting that she pulled it off um but jay-z's speech which i thought was great was also just very telling of what the grammys have done over the over its uh tenure of snubbing some really deserving artists not saying that taylor isn't but just looking at the history of it the fact that the last black woman to win this award was lauren hill 25 years ago and Beyonce's had many albums since then. It's just very uh, interesting. Yeah, I think it's a reminder yeah. that of all the major award shows, the Grammys has gotten it wrong the most. The Grammys <laughs> are probably the least accurate barometer of 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 quality compared they to give the out Emmys. So many or, too. Yeah, but when you, I mean, I, I joked about Millie Vanilli a second ago, but I mean, there have been so many moments like that where. Album of the year has gone to a real just like bizarre, you know, remember the year Steely Dan won like in the 2000s, long after their prime. Uh, it's they they make weird choices because it's such a big academy and it's just it's just poorly done. And and so of all the award shows, Grammy is probably the, the least accurate in, in actually awarding the best music of the year. And for all you Grammy heads. 
uh, Millie Vanilli to bring it full circle of Mike's, uh, you know, telling on himself that he's the biggest Millie Vanilli fan that ever was. <laughs> I loved um, Millie Vanilli back in the well, day. N- well, I 19- think we all did. Well, in 1990, they, they were supposed to be one best new artist, but then it was vacated because then it was learned that they did not contribute their vocals. Yeah. They, they, they beat Tone Loke that year. Wow. <laughs> I love Tone Loke. I do too, uh, because uh, he was in, what was that, that uh, Fern Gully? Oh, I remember him from Ace Ventura. <laughs> of course. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, I, was, I was, I was, I was just looking at the best new artists, like just like list of people who have won. So like Mariah Carey, obviously, won. Uh, Tony Braxton has it. Hootie and the Blowfish, Paula Cole, Lauren Hill, who I love by the way, she beat out Backstreet Boys. And if anyone knows me, that's that's a, a tough one. Fan. That that's a tough. Backstreet one. Boys wow. have never they have never won a Grammy, and it breaks my heart into pieces. Uh, uh, just saying. I th- I, I go way back. Cindy Lauper and what's her name? Yeah, Cindy Lauper, Carly Simon, and yeah, Hitler. yeah. And famously, I... Billie Eilish, who won all top four categories, never happened before. Uh, I just remember the year Christina Aguilera won Best New Artist yeah. over Britney Spears. Did Brit- does Britney ever won a Grammy? Uh, I don't think so. But yeah, Christina Aguilera, by the way, beat out, not just Britney, beat out Kid Rock, which is hilarious. Well, that's and great. Ma- and, uh, and, that, and they, Macy, they, they got that right. <laughs> and Macy Gray. Oh, wow. Yeah. Macy, Macy Gray, who I, I thought was going to have a little more staying power than she has. So, but... you know what's interesting? I always say there are people that are not famous or bigger because someone else is kind of occupying that space. Uh, I say this about like why um giovanni giovanni rubisi isn't bigger it's because sam rockwell and mark ruffalo are alive it's just like they eat from the same well yeah i feel like those are three completely different obviously they are different but they seem like like the same lane of people but i always thought macy gray felt like um a 2.0 version oh my god of tracy chapman i felt like it was like kind of or or erica badu like it was all like similar vibey things even though they're different music but i always felt like that's why macy gray didn't blow up bigger yeah. everyone has their own fans yeah no that's true by the way um speaking of music have you guys watched the uh, we are the world documentary yes no, yes, yes. It's, it's, it is oh, so so, it. so good so Lionel richie yeah was yeah. there on sunday by the way fun fact netflix is not clear if it's going emmys or oscar yet so stay tuned Interesting. What what uh, what what are the arguments for for both? What uh, I, 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 I one don't is even, an I, Oscar? One is just <laughs> <I know. laughs> one's for movies. One's for TV. But, uh, well, I don't. I, th- I think it's about. There's always like the intention part, and obviously we can dissect that another time. But like what, like it's huge right now. The fact that it got a shout out at the Grammys, everyone seems to really like it. Yeah. But I asking my personal opinion. The Oscars have not been kind to music docs. And they're not kind to popular docs. Especially yeah. Yeah. popular uh, music docs. Yeah. Right, you, right. You, you, you have to be searching for Sugar Man and no one knows who you are. Or you're 20 feet from stardom and it like it's a different twist. This is too much in the room, literally, like telling it how it happened and talking heads. They don't. They don't do this very often. I would yeah, say it feels it feels yeah. more like a TV, uh, and that's how most people are watching it. And and honestly, that's how they remember "We Are the World" is is the music video, and and just TV was always a part of that song. So 
Live Mike, Aid, watching did, did Live have, Aid on TV. Uh, Mike, did you watch uh, We Are the World at the specific time that it aired? I remember uh, it very vividly. Back I remember Prince couldn't be the. I just sent you guys a Prince latte, by the way, because he had to <laughs> bail his bodyguards out of jail. They they never really. That was one thing they they didn't really explain in the doc, which I was kind of disappointed about. Other than like Sheila E. feels like she was used, that they only invited her because they thought she would get Prince to show up, and she kept te- mm-hmm. like not. Te- I was about to say she kept texting Prince in yeah. 1985, <laughs> or 1984. She was not texting Prince. <laughs> I don't know how she would have gotten a hold of him, quite honestly, but she well, kept trying to find him, call him, and, <laughs> and he just didn't ever show up. That's my criticism of the doc. Is two things. That is that they, you know, because you always want some a little bit of controversy, some like dirt, airing dirty laundry. That is like one they just completely gloss over. I feel like they talk about uh, Al uh, Al Jarreau, like about him drinking, like they kind of like shove it in there like really quick, but not really like fully address it. And I hate the fact that the camera people and the lighting people didn't get paid. They're like, you're volunteers. And I was like, y'all are all millionaires. That's different. Like you should have paid these people. Yeah. So just saying. (laughs) The one thing that also they they bring up, they, then they gloss over. Uh, they're like, well, we couldn't have both Madonna or Cindy Lauper, so we chose Cindy Lauper. Well, no, explain, <laughs> why? Like, explain why was yourself. That your choice? Why? Uh, like, I, uh, why, why could there only be one? I don't understand that. They never elaborate on that. <laughs> I, it's like, like it, was, it, it was a very strange choice. They're like, we can't have both. I was like, they're different. Yeah. Like, but I yeah, you had, but yeah, same, you had like. like Dan Aykroyd? Like, you know, you couldn't what? have Madonna, but Dan Aykroyd is there? Like, what? Jessica, Jessica turns to me in the middle of the doc. She's like, why the fuck is Dan Aykroyd here? <laughs> and I was like, Blues Brothers. She was like, wasn't that a parody? Like, or something? I was like, it was. Homage, but, I would say. But I was like, but it was, like, real They took music. it very seriously, but still, though. And I remember Dan weird. Aykroyd, I believe he was first on the list, because alphabetically. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing you see is "We Are the World," Dan Aykroyd, and I was like, and he's singing his heart out, by the way. I, I, I love me where, Dan Aykroyd. I want to wondered why they didn't talk to him. Like there were so many people that I'm like, that where are their yeah. interviews? Yeah, yeah. The other thing that I love is we're giving too much away now, so spoilers. I mean, I mean I was there for, <laughs> spoiler alert: they make the song. Everyone knows, <laughs> but but I do love like the the whole. I never realized this, but the whole, like Huey Lewis wasn't going to get a part; he got Prince's part. So, so it was like uh, Prince's loss was Huey Lewis's gain, I guess. But who who was the who was the artist that walks out when Stevie Wonder starts singing in Swahili? Oh, now I'm, I'm forgetting now. Even though I just <laughs> watched I was, the talk the other day. I know. I started laughing. I was like, "Trumper before there was a Trump." Which is <laughs> we knew like, already. <laughs> we're done. We're done with this. He was like, yeah. "That was so." There is so many parts of that doc that are like both funny, but it's also. Just to sum it up, it felt like well, I don't know if you guys went to retreats, like or you were involved in church growing up, like I was. Oh so sure. Weekend retreat. It felt like watching a retreat, and you and you could see by the end because they had this one night to do it, and it's like five a.m. and it's over, and then they like are going. It's like the end of the retreat, and it just had that feeling of like you spent this time together that will never be recreated again and you'll never be together again. And one song of the year yeah. and record of the year, 
Um, by the way, I think just for Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie, I don't think the singers get credited. No, Ooh. no, because there's well, too many of them. And and they did yeah. all, honestly, I mean, it was Lionel and Quincy who did all the work. You see, like, Michael barely put in the effort. <laughs> like, suddenly Michael's just disappeared. And it's like, it's Lionel who's wrangling all the people and making sure it's, they're singing their parts. And Michael's just gone. It, isn't it hilarious how, like, the first 20 minutes, they really make it sound like Michael Jackson was this integral figure on the song. And then he just isn't anywhere He, he ghosts them. He just ghosts them all. It's, it's I don't even, he's stuck at this. I don't, Guys, I don't it's, know it's past my bedtime. I'm sorry. It's past my bedtime. <laughs> Bubbles needs to sleep. Yeah. Bubbles is in the dock, as is Muscles. Mm. Oh, really? Oh, here in Lionel Richie, describe Michael Jackson's suggestions is by far the funniest thing. Because yeah. it's like, just like you, like, obviously I knew Michael Jackson. We all knew who Michael Jackson was before we knew who he was. He was always like this. And it's, it's, and by the way, Randy Jackson was also there. Wait, which? So I guess he's on the list of songs. Like, I don't think that we see him in the dock, but his name is there because... Tito and Jermaine were also there. Never saw them. So, but Randy Jackson there, but I'm guessing that's the Steve Perry connection because he was part of Journey. Well, that's different. There's two different Randy Jacksons, though, right? Because there's... Oh, so this is an American Idol, Randy Jackson? I, so I thought it was that, Randy. Is there, is there a brother? Is there a Michael brother? <laughs> is there a Michael brother named Randy or no? Is there just <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll find out American that. I mean, biopic Michael. Exactly. From Antoine I'm, Fuqua. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Tito wasn't there. Um, but... Uh, all right. That's well, the, that was the fun stuff. See, that was the fun okay. stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, so. Watch it, Janelle. It's delightful. It is. It is I a fun will. watch. Oh, it and is. and an hour and forty minutes. It's a nice Perfect. short one. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Who we got this week on the pod? We have Spider Verse directors Kent Powers, Justin K. Thompson, and Joaquim Dos Santos. Let's do it. All right. See only, you guys. Only two. By the way, but, sadly, only two of which are Oscar nominees. And we talk about why. Oh. Oh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Right after this. After the break. I already forgot my catchphrase. (laughs) (laughs) You should you could be like Io DeBerry, who is like trying to get a catchphrase going on Saturday Night Live. Let's hop to it. Let's hop to it. See you next week, everyone. After the break, we talk to Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse directors Kemp Powers, Joaquin Dos Santos, and Justin K. Thompson. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. For your consideration, Max presenting the HBO original Succession. As power struggles ensue, the Roy family weighs up a future where their cultural and political weight is severely curtailed. Don't miss the series IndieWire calls the end-all, be-all of TV. Nominated for five SAG awards, including Outstanding Performance by an Ensemble in a Drama Series, Succession is streaming now on Max. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, and I'm Michael Schneider. The multidimensional success of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse can be directly attributed to its three directors, Kemp Powers, Joaquim Dos Santos, and Justin K. Thompson. Indeed, to the fact that there are three at all. The trio last year received Variety's Creative Impact and Animation Award, while the film was named to the AFI Awards Top 10 list of Best 2023 Movies, as well as Best Animated Film by the National Board of Review, and now it's nominated for Best Animated Feature at this year's Academy Awards. Okay. Miles' grades are pretty good. 
A in AP Physics. That's my little man. And AP Studio Art. <laughs> He takes after his uncle. A minus in English. She's a tough grader. And a B in Spanish. What? Ooh, okay. Miles. Are you trying to kill your mother? Calmate, mami. Eso no es my fault. ¿Qué es eso que esto no es mi fault? ¿Tú estás tomando una clase en Spanish? Mom, I just missed a few classes. Oh, just a few classes. Well, what's a few? I mean, you know, like... Five? Five? Actually, six. You're dead. Brighty's Clayton Davis recently spoke to Powers, Dos Santos, and Thompson about how they leaned into individual strengths while working together toward a common goal, balancing formal innovation and timeless truths to create a forward-thinking animated classic. Clayton began by asking Thompson if the next chapter of the Spider-Verse trilogy, Beyond the Spider-Verse, is done. It is not done. It's not done. Okay. We are in progress. Great. Kemp, mm-hmm. tell me what happens in that movie beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> No comment. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought it was going to work, too. Um, so, wait. It's not done. Percentage-wise, how much of it is done? Mm. Would, you, would, you, would you guys give like a... In, in my head or in reality? <laughs> oh, in your head. That's always a good number. In, in my head, 100%. <laughs> in your head, it's done. It's been finished. Yeah. No, it's been finished yeah, for yeah, years. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Margaret of its time. That's a good uh, throwback <laughs> yeah. for anyone who remembers Kenneth Lange. All we got to do is get it out of here onto yeah. the screen. Yep. Mm. Um, what can the viewers expect from the next Spider-Man? I wanted to get it nice and early. I mean, out. obviously, yeah. we're not going to tell you anything we can't um, that is like specific. But what you can expect is what we always do is the unexpected, ah. and that we are definitely we have things planned that you would not have thought of mm-hmm. that we would have planned, but we did plan, and um, and you know we're we're always seeking to like. You know, go further and do something different. So, okay, uh, Joaquin, yes, can sir. you tell me, does this fit anywhere? Has there been any conversations about the greater MCU, Marvel Cinematic I Universe? Can neither confirm nor deny no. a got thing. Um, okay, got it. But cool stuff. Yeah, I'm getting all the answers cool I stuff. need today. Yeah. This is what I want. That's what I want to know. Um, all right, so that gets that part nice and out of the all way. All right, sweet. and everyone got what they wanted, yeah. and now we can talk about the. The rest of the movie. Um, listen, the uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, one of my colleagues here, uh, Rachel, pointed out uh, to me the viral Twitter sensation of the kid who did an animated whole trailer of a Lego part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any way that kid Pre- can contribute? Preston Matanga. Oh, you knew his name and everything. Yeah. I, didn't, I like, didn't even know his of name. Of course, we all know his name. Oh, yeah. is, he, is he working on the next Spider-Verse movie? Or we can he... neither confirm <laughs> nor deny. <laughs> Man. But what a cool story. Yeah. <laughs> what a cool entry into – how old is uh, Preston? He was 14, but uh, he's 15 now. Oh. I remember being 15. Yeah. yeah not Seems doing anything <laughs> near yeah. making uh... – Drawing and getting <laughs> noted notoriety out on the internet. Um, let's talk about uh, the movie uh, across, the Spi- across the Spider-Verse, the mm-hmm. second entry. Uh Listen, I love it, and I'm sure you guys read my number two film of the year. Oh, wow! Yeah, nice. thank you Thanks so much. Number two, I'm so, I'm you got some jump Corey Jefferson later, that's you know, that. because you know, like American fiction, he, he's pretty big. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know I if mean, you, we're jumping. You three combined can yeah, take him. I think he's an amazing film. Yeah. Um, and listen, you guys know, and everyone knows that's listening. I'm a big advocate for animation. Animation is film. I don't know if anyone knows this. Uh, <laughs> It actually uh, 
is the most accessible medium that there is and doesn't get the respect that it deserves. One uh, thing to note here is I always say Spider-Verse only works as an animated movie because I could could only imagine the attempt to make this live action and how much of a like – strobe light like (laughs) (laughs) epilepsy inducing thing would would incur um what is it about animation that drew you guys into it that made you kind of go off into this venture of making it a career of yours and we start with joaquin sure uh i mean look i was a sort of product of the 80s I, I woke up every saturday morning and i would watch cartoons and they would infiltrate uh my every waking moment of my life i uh the one that really like changed the game for me was this cartoon called robotech and it was this big serialized story that had characters falling in love and falling out of love and big robots battling each other battling aliens um and i think the idea that that show in particular seemed to have no rules and was playing to a quote unquote kids audience, Mm. but was teaching us life lessons and how to deal with loss and how to deal with love lost. Um, it really made a huge impact on me. Uh, and, and I didn't really look back after that. Mr. Powers. I mean, as a career, um, it's pretty non-existent to be be honest. I come from the world of theater and live action. You know, I was a, a screenwriter. What drew me to animation was was Pixar. Just for me, being the gold standard of um, narrative storytelling, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was as simple as that. Uh, at the time that they called me up um, and asked me to come and contribute to what became Soul, um, I had been in the midst of like finishing up a play. Um, I had sold a television show that ended up not being greenlit. Um, I worked on some TV shows. I was developing some feature projects. So I actually kind of wondered, like, what did they want me for? Mm. But um, I was always a fan going, not just the first Toy Story. For me, there was this core group of Pixar films, um, Ratatouille, um, Up, uh, WALL-E, that were just a kind of, like, mature storytelling that was also entertaining and universal that evoked this emotion in me that I hadn't had in a long time in animation, Mm. the kind of emotion that films like um, Watership Down, Mm -hmm. you know, these were some of my, and and I didn't really, outside of Pixar, I was like, wow, they can tell some really, do some really mature and even dark. They're not talking down to kids. This is for, it really felt like it was for everyone. It was universal. So I was really just drawn in to have an opportunity to work with and learn from People who were my, um, to me, filmmaking heroes, not accept, not, not animation. To yeah. me, Pete and Andrew and Lee Unkrich and Brad Bird, they were just the most the phenomenal cinematic storytellers, period. So, and then of course, I fell in love with the medium when I saw the things that we were capable of doing in it that, like you said before, wouldn't have been possible in live action. Or yeah. if they were done in live action, they would have come across as cheesy. Right, yeah. right, right. right. <laughs> right. You know, like, yeah, you could do some of our action sequences in live action. Yeah. It's going to be cheesy looking. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you, you can really be into it in, in this medium. Did anyone peep that he just glossed over that he was a journalist before, too? Like, I know. Hours, just 20 like, years. He just wants to leave that part That's behind. Well, That's I mean, no, just, uh, I, get, I get it. Look, I, I thought I was going to retire as a journalist, dude. <laughs> yeah. This is one of those things where, I mean... Everything that I'm doing now, I didn't even know was really possible for a guy like me yeah. mm. uh, until I kind of started doing it. Thankfully, my if I have a superpower, 
It's that I learned through osmosis. Mm. So none of what I'm doing is anything that I studied. I studied English and history in college. Mm. I didn't study filmmaking, but I just love film. Yeah. I just loved it, and I love theater. I love theater, grew up in New York, so what did I do? I started writing plays. And as many people have said before me, you do anything long enough, you wake up one day and you start getting pretty good at it. Yeah. So, But yeah, journalism a lot of the skills as a, I learned as a journalist, we call it research in Hollywood. It's called reporting and journalism. Mm, right. I was a really good reporter. Yeah. The, I, I love getting out and doing interviews. Like people don't know that that's a part of my process as a filmmaker. I interview people still. Yeah. You know, I travel to places. I like tactile experience. I like to take in scents, flora, fauna. I, I, you know, even if it's science fiction, there's people you can talk to conceptually. It was something that. I really, like, when we were working on the first season of Star Trek Discovery, you know, we would talk to scientists, even though it's science fiction. And I just really loved that element of it. And it was like, oh, wow, this thing that I did already really applies well to this new medium I'm getting into. But I think it was largely because I had something to say and I have a voice. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just the skill set. It was like, I think I had some things to say. That explains why Kemp is a flat earther now. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> All those interviews. Uh, Justin, what, what, uh, what inspired you? To do this stuff. To do this stuff. This well, stuff. <laughs> I, well, actually, I think personally that animation is the ultimate filmmaker's medium. And um, I've always kind of believed in that. Um, I grew up watching um, so many animated films. And what attracts me to the medium is that you can express the emotions and the characters uh, uh, the emotions of your characters their what's going on their internal stories you can project it onto the screen in a way that you can't in any other medium in real time as they're feeling it mm. and you can change and transform what the char- what the audience is feeling and you can get them immersed in the, in what people what your character is feeling in a way that is um, kind of unique, honestly, because you have this, you know, sequential narrative that you're telling, but being able to change like the texture, the, the, being able to change the texture, the color of the scene, the, the lighting on a dime with in, in concert and in, and in, and in motion and in choreography with what the characters are saying and feeling is like sort of an incredible like really powerful way to like approach storytelling and i fell in love with it when i started watching as a very young child i saw like what's opera doc right Mm -hmm. so here's like chuck jones Mm -hmm. and here's like bugs bunny he's like running around and and bugs bunny is like teasing elmer fudd but the the number of cinematic choices and changes and movements that happen in that one short mm-hmm. are as much as happen in sometimes entire live action movies. There are more like artistic moves in that one short, and then you start watching you know things like Cinderella or 101 Dalmatians or all these films that I grew up with, and then. I started getting introduced to the stuff that was being done in Japan by Miyazaki and, and, by, and by all these other incredible filmmakers. And I saw Akira the first time, and I was, it was just it kept reinforcing this idea that you can make people feel 
exactly what the characters are feeling with yeah. every single element that you can control. And if you've got a bit of a God complex. <laughs> um, Prerequisite in animation, pre- right? <laughs> you know, you can sit there and you can like, like what, like, isn't this amazing? I can control the weather. I can control the lighting. I can control everything and I can change it on a dime depending on what the character's feeling. And this movie, what attracted me to making this movie was a chance to do that with six different dimensions, with 200 characters, and actually say all these kinds of things and make all these kinds of moves, but really all to support one character's story, Miles Morales and what he was going through, and make you feel on this journey this crazy, crazy, weird story about this kid going across all these different dimensions, really trying to save his dad, but make you feel and not even care about all the science-y gobbledygook yeah. that was you know, sort of the, the structure of it, make you just care about him by manipulating all these different elements on screen to make you make you feel like what it's like to be chased by a madman in a blue and red suit up onto a giant train going to the moon and then get like, you know, put into a teleporter. Like, and that's voiced by Oscar Isaac, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's an amazing thing. So, I mean, for me, it was, I really feel like you have so much power in this medium as a storyteller that Mm. I I just love, I love it. And I, I, I can't, I can't think of any other medium I could ever make a movie like this. Mm-hmm. I have to say, like listening to Justin speak too, as someone who does live action and animation, there there are pros and cons to both. Yeah. But one thing that I've really kind of been thinking about a lot lately is when you do a really good job in live action, it feels like people really notice. And I feel like when we do a good job in animation, at times it's almost like no one notices. Or a pat on the head. Yeah, like they don't. Nothing happens by accident in animation. Mm-hmm. I've always like I, when when we get a few drinks in us. There've been times where I'm just like, "How is someone like Henry Selleck not a household name?" Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. how how is Pete Doctor not a household name? Right. I mean, he is to us. These are people right, right, to yeah. us. They are. Right, right. But like when you think about the crafts the work, the store, the stuff that they've done. And I'm just like, oh man, that's like an animation thing. Like you do really good work, and it seems like almost effortless and in reality mm. there's so much more attention to detail that has to yeah. to to go into it i don't know just apropos yeah. nothing it's no, just no, listening no, no. to you speak it just made me it's think about some of those things it's true. absolutely true camp i mean there's not we don't nothing like you said it best like nothing happens by accident we have to consider every pixel on screen yeah it has to be made an artist has to put their hand into the machine and put it there mm-hmm. an artist has to actually decide to put the pixels on screen yeah. and and it doesn't it doesn't happen unless there are actual human beings pushing these pixels on the screen and deciding what color what texture and everything it nothing's for free yeah nothing's for free so we literally think about every single element and i love it who do I think of you three? I'm, I guess it's all three technically, but for the Puerto Rican flag of the snap. It's actually one of our animators. Yeah. Yeah. One of our one animators is Puerto Rican. Yeah. Because, you know, when we when we assign um, sequences for them to to animate, they have – like it's, it's great. It's one of the fun things about animation is like they do a version of it, but then if they have alt ideas, animators are encouraged to kind of like yeah. show us a couple of other interesting yeah. things. So that was like an alt pitch 
really? to to a moment that added the the flag. Yeah, they, be, I, I mean, I, I will say that I think those are the ones we wind up going with yeah, more often mm-hmm. than not yeah. because they are they're personal. You know, they're the mm-hmm. unexpected. Yeah, and it's kind of usually presented to us like. Hey, what about this? You know, I just tried this, and we fall in love every time. Yeah, because yeah. it's it is personal, it, and it's passion. It comes it's from passion. somewhere. Yeah. Oh, that's and that that's, scene. I mean, it's interesting that you bring that because the the counselor's office scene. Yeah, that is a scene that we worked. Oh for my god, years. Yeah. years. I really? mean, we just it was one of the first scenes we worked on. And we just kept going. There's a few scenes like that where we just kept going back to it and like, okay, I think that's pretty much locked. And then two months later, we've cracked it open. Really? And we're messing with it again and again and again. So the negative of that is that, you know, it takes forever. Positive is that people have time to kind of marinate on it and like come up with new ideas and, and pitch new things. And Does that get into what Justin said before? In his head, it's 100%, but yes. it's really like some Nothing's done until you're you watching it. it. Yeah. yeah. That is the truth. That is the truth. And I think, honestly, spending that much time on sequences with four people as opposed <clears throat> to 200 spider people allows the film to be both small and massive at the same time. Yeah. There's just as much care that goes, if not more, that goes into those personal scenes. Yeah. It does into the big, you know, spectacly stuff. I'm always curious about, uh, as opposed to live action, we always hear about the director's cut, what's left on the cutting room floor. Animation, we don't hear about that as much, and it also would feel so heartbreaking to think that there's stuff out there that, yeah, we drew this, we did this, and, like, put this together, and it just didn't work. And I know there's a cut of this movie that's longer. And and says, can you share what some of those scenes might be? Uh, have looked like or what? Well, I will say there was this is from the, one of the earliest drafts of the script, and I just got a chuckle out of it when it when it was pitched. But at some point, they drop really quickly into a lucha world, and it's mm-hmm. like they land, they look around, and it's people literally just like throwing chairs at each other, doing planches <laughs> off of stuff. It's like Miles, like what is going on? And then they're off to another world. Yeah. And that was like a a personal one that yeah. I was like, oh, that'd be fun to see because I'm yeah. a huge huge pro wrestling fan. I think also, it, like, because of the way our movie was made, we were making a movie that was wound up being, we started off, you know, 2019, we made a movie that was super, super long. Yeah. And we realized we had too much movie and we had to, like, rethink. And we had to go, and we went, you know what? There's enough here for two entire movies. Yeah. And what we had, I mean, when you say, is there, when you ask, is there <laughs> stuff that yes. didn't wind up in the movie? Yeah. I mean, it's now going to be in, in the next, Beyond Spider-Verse yeah. and, and more because that movie has to stand on its own too. But yeah. when we – it wasn't as simple as just splitting it. So I think – because and Kim, you can talk about this really a lot. Like once once we decided to do that, we had to make the movie work now. Because yeah. we had to re-break yeah. the, whole, the whole thing. Yeah, you had to Empire Strikes Back this now. Yeah, yes. we had yeah. to Empire Strikes Back. And there was a lot that wasn't connecting Mm. The, we had to, and so we barely probably had time to put what is in the movie. There. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it annoys me sometimes when people say like it's half a movie. It's like, no, it isn't. We rebroke <laughs> it so that characters have arcs in this I one hate movie, that. Well, and, and it's a, yeah, it's a so really <laughs> it's kind of a cop out comment. Like, yeah. no one watched The Empire Strikes Back and felt like they left and had just seen half a movie. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, you know, maybe we made a mistake in saying like telling people it was a part one, but I, I those were like really joyous uh, cinematic you know, movie going moments for me. Mm-hmm. But, but they also, I remember hearing that same thing about Dune mm-hmm, and yeah. Dune, you know, went on to win six Oscars. They're like, Oh, it's half a movie. I'm like, like, no, it like, like stories are stories. Like you don't say, 
a, a season of television is half a season because it ends on a cliffhanger. Right. You yeah. know, Dark Knight ends on a cliffhanger. Right. He runs yeah. away, but no one was like, oh, it's a half a movie. No, yeah. they enjoy the experience. Now, where it ends, I, I'll, I, I can remember sitting there, and I have to be honest with you guys. Please. When I first was going to go into this movie, I was so mad at all of you. Because <laughs> I saw it was two hours and 19 minutes. Yeah. I was so mad. I was like, guys, what are you doing? I love the first one so much. Why do we have this long movie? And I sat down. And when it ended, I was furious. Because I didn't I, – I, I, the amount of times I don't look at what time it is, yeah. really judge ju – I judge about how much I'm enjoying the movie. I never looked at my – phone or anything to see what how much time was in it and when it ended i was like wait what the like yeah i mean you're we not at well, the end but, already. I, but i do think it that there's flies. you you know there is the old adage you leave them wanting more that means we did our job and got yeah. people really excited for the prospect of how things are going to play out for these and characters. some people are pissed and that's okay yeah like mm -hmm. we we seriously considered ending the movie at a different place i won't say exactly where but it was well before the turn where Miles is in the wrong dimension. Mm. So if we'd have done that version, I guess you could probably say it would have felt a little – it would have not had a cliffhanger. I also don't think it would have been as satisfying. Right. I don't think you would have left – I don't think it would have been – you wouldn't have been as emotionally ramped up. One, one challenge nowadays when you make film – and television too is audiences are so savvy. Everyone understands story math. It's so hard to make a turn yeah. that people don't see coming a mile away. Mm -hmm. Now, given no matter what it is, after the fact, they're all going to say they saw it coming a mile away. Mm -hmm. The reaction, <laughs> both positive and negative, to our ending, I think, is proof that they didn't see it coming a, a yeah. mile away. Right. And that's the win. Yeah. It's so hard to it surprise is. and delight people anymore. Do you know how many texts I got from old friends I haven't heard from in years? Like, dude, what the fuck? This yeah. ending. Right, right, and I would text yeah. right back, no refunds, no refunds, no <laughs> refunds. It was actually a really fun weekend yeah. it was. of I having got... that a movie come out yeah. where I had reactions from people I hadn't heard from, yeah. and, and it was all tongue in cheek. Yeah, but it yeah. was hilarious. Yeah. It was like yeah. being a kid again for a well, week. You get people talking. That's what you want. It's the classic water cooler talk. You know, mm. you want people sort of pontificating on on what it means to end there. What's going to happen to Miles? I can't wait for the next one. Those right. are those are all good conversations. Uh, I, I'm interested with this uh, next question, and there's been a lot of chatter about this in the social media world about the oversaturation of superhero movies right now. Mm. And interestingly, and I pleasantly surprised by this, you guys don't get bulked into that conversation a lot. Like, I don't hear that, like, because these are the best reviewed superhero films of the last few years, the Spider-Verse, uh, both of them. And people don't bulk that in. I, is it, do you think your strength is that this is standalone, that it's not connecting? I think that's what mm. makes uh, Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy so yeah. great because it's just the Dark Knight trilogy. Right. We, I, didn't, we didn't connect to Michael Keaton and, or connect to Robert Pattinson in the future. I, I don't think it's that – well, I can speak to our movie. I think the reason our movie stands as, uh, apart from those is because it's not really – we didn't set out to make a superhero movie. Mm. We set out to make a relationship story and we set out to make a movie about miles, a, you know, a coming of age story about parents and children and how outside forces affect that and, and threaten that and how it's really just about protecting that relationship between miles and his parents. And that is what the story is about. Yeah. 
all the crashing and bashing and all the jumping across different dimensions is really just icing on a cake that is really there to illustrate what Miles is going through as a teenager, stepping out of the house for the first time, away from the shelter and protection of his parents and trying to make his own choices and finding out the world's a lot more dangerous and a lot and a lot less and a lot more scary place and that some of the people you trusted, you can't. Mm. It's all just a metaphor for that. So because it's a metaphor for, for a, a, a relationship and a story that we have all been through and that we went through with our own children, mm. like, you know, like I, my kid was like leaving home during that movie and going off to college and, and my younger son is, you know, went from 13 to 15 while we made this movie. And, you know, so like, we all kind of were sharing these experiences as we we're making the movie. And that is why the movie, I think, works. It has nothing to do with superheroes. Mm. We didn't confer with anyone else. The reality right. is this right. wasn't planned as part of any – if, if there were any conversations that were had with anyone <laughs> at M, anyone involved in the MCU, they, they, didn't, didn't, tell they didn't tell us. Right. Yeah. And it never came up. Mm. Uh, I mean, you, you mentioned the Nolan movies. What about Joker? I'm excited as hell for the Joker yeah. sequel this year. For what is, how is, how is that tied to anything? It's just people deciding they have a take on a story, and it's usually some greater idea that you might want to even say it's almost like the superhero is the drag. Mm. It's like this yeah. is su- in superhero drag, and they're just trying to, like, t- it's always coming from someplace very, very personal. Mm. Um, and it's not too planned or, or thought out. Um, I, I, yeah, it's one of those things where I think that, and when you say oversaturation, I don't want to dismiss it because I think what people are really saying is just that like, they're not just going to go see it because it's got superheroes in it. And there was a period of time when if it had superheroes, you just took a flyer, leap of faith, whatever it it was. Now you're going to have to like convince people. It's a story well told and well executed. It's worth your and, money, and I think that if that's if that is the case and it's worth their money, then they they will still come out to see them. That will also probably mean there won't be as many guaranteed hits. Right. They're going to have to like really be good, really be personal, mm-hmm. really do something a little bit different. And I do believe there are people who are still going to try to do that because some of these characters are still pretty amazing. And that's look, I think evening the playing field is a good thing. That's going to create good cinema. I think there was a time where I think we're all, maybe not you, but we're (laughs) definitely old enough to remember a time where like there were no, you know, save for like three films that we could look at and say like they are doing justice to these comics that we grew up with or they're sort of leaning into what, what is cool about the comics. And beyond that, there was nothing. So once they started like really landing, I know I was going to see every single one of them and now... You know, yeah, now you're sort of, you have to, you have, you're in the place where you can pick and choose and you can choose what really moves you and what really yeah. feels like it's worth seeing. And it's funny too, because like people have weird revisionist like history memories because <laughs> you guys remember like when they announced that Heath Ledger was the Joker, Yeah, fans yeah. were angry. Yeah. 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 Probably the like one of the most seminal performances right. in a comic book film. Yep. People were just saying, "We don't want this, right? Because we, we don't, because we knew Jack, yes, that right." Point. And and that's just it. Is like you never know what's going to come and down the road and surprise the hell out. People of you. were mad about Robert Pattinson being Batman. People were and, mad about Michael Keaton being Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Michael they were mad Keaton. about Michael Keaton so being about Batman. That. People were mad about mm-hmm. the freaking Lion King being animals. People right. were mad about <laughs> everything, right? And it's just like, but if it's a story is done well, you, but but that's our that's our burden, right? We got to like. 
we got to win wrong. people over. We yeah. got to prove them. Yeah. It's not even prove them wrong. I said we got to make them a believer. Right, right, right. right. You know, I've, as the older I get, the less it's about being vindictive. It's yeah. more just like if we can just get everyone out of our hair long enough to land the plane yeah. and show them this, we think this might actually delight a lot of people. I like that. All right. Uh, I sat here three years ago, I believe. Uh, Chris Miller was sitting where you're sitting, Kemp. Phil Lord was sitting there, and I was actually sitting there where right. you're sitting, Joaquin. So I'm in the empty chair, and you're wearing a hat too. So it's pretty uh, appropriate. That's how, how we do it. That's how we do it. Um, and we had a really good, lengthy discussion about animation and directing animated movies mm-hmm. and how it's not just pointing and saying, draw this sir or madam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or whoever is sitting there. Yeah. Um, there, there's work that goes into it, and you three are directing a movie, and I don't think people understand what three people, what how it takes three people to make a movie such as this. There's something you can make a believer out of uh, naysayers who think that directing animation isn't directing the way another. Uh, like directing a live action movie would be directing? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that we've continued to try to like put out there and, and let people know is that animation is a massively iterative art form. We build these films many, many times and we screen them, you know, internally many, many times and we make changes that are not afforded to people who are making live action films or, or, or TV shows a lot of the time. Um, and so that takes a lot of brain power and that takes a lot of time and effort and it happens over a much longer period of time than you would with live action. So, you know, and it's I think it, it bears mentioning that each of us sort of each come from our own different sort of places and specialties. So we, we bring all those things to the table every time, you know, we're making a new cut of the film to screen internally and and, and get opinions on. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, it's not exactly the same process, but we're doing, I mean, we're doing versions of the exact same thing. We're, look, dude, we're I mean, working. Talk, with, talk to anyone in our cast and ask them if performing, if they weren't directed in, in this animated right. film, mm. talk to Shamik. It was actually funny at one point. Shamik was like, yeah, Kemp, you remind me of Rick. I'm friends with Rick Famuyu who directed him in Dope. Yeah. He's like, man, you and Rick both give me a hard time. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like he was directed in that and he sure as hell was directed in this too. Yeah. And also the animators are actors. That's the wonder. That's one mm. of the big differences is uh, an animation performance. The voice actor is a performer, but the animator is also a performer as well. Right. I don't think the layman the knows line. that we don't – part of when you say animation, there's no such thing as mocap. So that there's actually a human being doing every expression on the face. I think I've had relatives who've said like, oh, so they have the little thing with the dots. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's mocap. Yeah. This is animation. There's someone with the equivalent of a 3D rag doll who is going like this, picture, picture. It's, It's the same basic concept of when you see stop motion. That's it. Really is where they're just we're taking snippet, 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 and doing adjustments. They show it to us, and we give them notes. And we give them notes. We give I mean, them notes. A and they performance change notes. the performance. Yeah. 
So it's it's very there's a lot of overlap. I just again people just don't understand that because they it looks like something that it isn't. And it happens over a longer duration of time. It's yeah. not like you're shooting for a day and you're getting your footage and you're sort of, you know, going and getting your dailies and stuff. This happens over a longer period of time because there's so many it takes more people. A lot longer. Yeah. yeah. How many seconds? Like usually when we give an animator something, it's how many hours and it turns into like 5 seconds of screen That's time. Right. Yeah. That's like over a week. Like it's really it really takes a long time to do these performances i would you know if i was you know if i'm speaking to people if i was breaking it down for somebody who doesn't isn't familiar with animation the thing that i am always trying to impress upon people is like i was saying before there isn't a pixel on screen that somebody didn't have to think about that we three didn't have to think about and have a really strong opinion about and that we had to somehow explain. So every twitch of an eye, every blink, every like small like movement of a hand, every time there's a lighting change, every time the color on screen changes, every time there is a, a brush stroke that is put in the background behind Gwen when she's feeling sad because her dad doesn't relate to her and isn't listening to her and the walls start crying for her. Mm-hmm. It is because a person had to go and by hand place a brush stroke on the screen and then we, listening to Haley's voice, hear her breathing and say, I want it to go from here to here. I want the brushstroke to bleed from here to here with in time with her breathing. And then if Haley's performance isn't is, – is she's, if she's going too fast, we go back to Haley and say, watch this scene. Mm. See how this looks? Can you give us a different performance where you slow this down because we feel like we're rushing the audience's emotional, the the emotional needs of this scene. The audience is getting, isn't with us. So we need to slow this down. We go back. We have to then move those brush strokes again. We have to add other brush strokes because you know what? We need a little bit of blue here because she's a little sad. And so we change them to blue because we want you to feel sad. And you know what? Gwen's getting hot. So she needs to turn red now. Mm. We start making all these choices and, and a person, an individual. That's why it takes a thousand people. An individual has to make those moves, has to actually put those pixels on screen. It isn't. So when you say, when people say, what does a director do? We're giving the intention and driving the emotional ideas and making sure people understand what it is we're trying to say with our characters and how we're trying to visualize and externalize the internal story that's going on with them. Gwen can't cry, so the the picture has to cry for her. Mm. And you can't make that just by pointing a camera at something. Right. You, so you can't. You literally cannot point a camera at anything. You can't put mocap, you know, ping pong balls on anything. You mm. cannot make somebody, you cannot push a button that says go. Right. A person has to put their hands in 
in in the artwork itself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And push pixels. It, it, and so, a lot of our department heads are doing the same jobs as their live action counterparts. Yeah. The only mm-hmm. real difference is they're doing it in the three D space. That's right. Yeah. So you have a DP in live action. We have a DP in animation. Yep. They have a camera that exists, and we have a production designer mm-hmm. who's built this world. The world is in three D. Mm-hmm. Then the DP goes into this three D world. And places the camera. That's right. Yeah. So it's all there, there are live action. We have a lighting DP who lights things. It's just we don't have physical lights in the real world, yeah. but there's a 3D environment where you have all the same department heads doing things that they would do in a live action film. The only difference being they're doing it in a constructed 3D environment. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I, I have to say, the, as you were describing it, I was thinking to myself, if I was sitting here with anybody else, I won't name any names, but if I was sitting here with anybody else, a director, mm. they'd be like, oh my God, that's an auteur. Mm. Like they would, call, they would call you an auteur, mm. but we don't use that term for animators for reasons. And mm. the way you described it was exactly everything that we, I, and a lot of other people who are uh, big advocates for animation, like we know those things and it's so good to hear that. Uh, put into words now. I have two last questions then I have round robin, rapid fire, fun Please, stuff. Sure. Yes. Uh, there's, <laughs> this is a little bit of a tough question. Animation is not respected enough in this industry uh, from antiquated rules within the academy, from where animation fits in, in regards to certain guilds or not fit in certain guilds. Uh, there is a there's a much needed rule. How would I say rule change regime change, or just like there's a need to not other animation anymore. You it's called are recognition. The, I think, right, yeah. Is yeah. Recognition is the word you're but, looking yeah, for. And, and Validation. Yes. And specifically within, for people to know, like animators, are not part of DGA, WGA, uh, you know, uh, Academy has rules regarding how many people would be nominated. This forces some really unfair things to happen. What is like if you could, if I could, if you could do a wand and like, what's the one thing that you you would want to see change in the Hollywood community regarding animation? On because you know, we just came through a big strike for six months that coincidentally, funny enough, like didn't include you guys like in in that sense yeah yeah. you know you yeah i mean i would like to see animation be part of the wga and the dga um i think that it it should have been from the beginning um there's a lot of complicated reasons (laughs) that i don't have time in this podcast (laughs) to go into why it isn't but i think at some point um the wga and the dga needs to accept that you know, and and the studios need to accept that we we not only does it is it because hey we deserve the recognition, but you're also creating a barrier to entry for filmmakers who would like to work in animation, mm. who actually because of the, the the lack of DGA and WGA representation, you have a lot of filmmakers who would love to to use this medium, who can't be or won't or are reluctant to. Because of so you're actually like we're missing out on it's not just us who are making the films it's we're missing out actually on the opportunity for other filmmakers to you know take advantage of this incredible medium and tell stories in a way that you can't tell them anywhere else yeah yeah I mean I I would hope that and Justin said it really succinctly but I, I also just wanted to add that like there's Get doing an animated film shouldn't be a sacrifice for the artist doing it. Mm. 
And right now, because of these rules, in order to do an animated film, you have to make a sacrifice. Yeah. It's very – I mean, again, I do both. Yeah. And it's hard sometimes to convince a, a writer who's in the WGA to write on an animated feature that's not WGA for the simple reason it doesn't pay into their medical insurance. Yeah. So it's a long job that like they're going to have to figure that out on their own. The other thing I just hope is that the industry understands how important animation is to this entire ecosystem of cinema. Mm. And mm. that's one of those things like there's a great narrative, right rightful narrative of like how what's what's going to when when movies are going to come back and what's going to save them. And here's the truth is that movies can never come all the way back unless animation comes back all the way too. Mm. The world this the cinema needs Disney and Pixar and films like ours to all knock it out of the park cuz that's actually been doing a lot of heavy lifting in the yeah. in the movie industry for a long time. Yeah. So it can never come back unless animation, you know, drives a lot of that as well. And you just hope people kind of remember that is that animated mm. features have been historically a part of cinema for a hundred years and it's a pivotal piece of it that's necessary for it to ever be healthy and to fully recover yeah and just, and just uh before walking for you uh answer I, I i never thought about it this way how lucky we are that we got that one guillermo del toro and that one charlie kaufman mm, yeah animated right. shots because yeah. like i was thinking, like why didn't charlie make more or wes anderson doing animation what twice? about rango i yeah, mean it was right. written by john logan i mean you have you have yeah, live like, action people love animation but, so, but i've never thought about it this way that we were lucky to even get those because yeah, you were they probably right. made nothing off that there there was, what you just said you're talking about well-known auteurs who have the juice to actually get it done yeah. their way even within the animation yeah. system. Right. So they were already at a certain uh, yeah. place that they were able to, you know, pull off what what they pulled off. So it's a it's an interesting, it's a greater as a, it's yeah. a greater conversation, but it's fascinating stuff. I mean, we solved it right here, right? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've got the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Joaquin. I mean, look, I don't think there's anything that I can say that these guys haven't already said, but uh, you know, I think it it's worth repeating that animation is a big business for the industry. Mm -hmm. um, and we bring a ton to the table. Um, so, you know, without it, everybody hurts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And I think uh, everybody deserves deserves a seat. Got it. All right. Rapid fire. Here's the fun stuff. Boom. I'm going to give uh, each of you two options. Yep. Animated movies. Either or. Pick one of your personal preference. I'll give you each uh, individual one and work around the room. Nothing that's also out this year, though. Nothing that's okay, out this great, year. No, great. nothing that's out this year. That's so, mean. <laughs> many things that are, re are regarded as like some of the best of all time. Got it. Got so it. they're going to be tough choices. Okay. And I do preface it that because it's rapid fire, this may not be your real answer. You'll think back later and think, you know, you got it wrong. But, you know. But <laughs> right. actually, before I, I do get that. It wrong. Yeah, before I always I always love this question. Is there an animated movie that is – beloved of the past that is just that one movie that you're like that's not, just not really my jam and i'll give you my example i'm not a huge fan of fantasia mm. oh, and i and i know some people like hate me for that no. but like i think i just saw it too young and i didn't get it and then when i try to go back to it i was just reminded a lot of those feelings. yeah you have that I, taste in your mouth and i still have that taste in my mouth so i'm that's my one that i'm like mm. oh sure i'll tell you i can i got it right here Ooh. like off the bat like i'm not a fan of the lion king <gasps> My favorite There's, animated movie of all time. <laughs> you, wow. wanted, you wanted to know. That's hey, we got. hey, Justin, okay. We got taste. I, I'm getting yeah, killed yeah, right yeah, after know, this. Yeah, exactly. the, the, all the animation fans yeah. are outside the building. Be, I'm going to be yeah. assassinated on my way Interesting. out. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, this is a rough one, man. Oh. Yeah, for me, I think I 
it's as much as I adore the animation style from a story standpoint, I'm not the biggest fan of 101 Dalmatians. I'm not either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that. Um, I will say this is not going to answer the question directly, but yeah. I have the opposite because I had the uh, the art book for Fantasia before I ever saw it when I was a kid. Somehow my mom got it and put it yeah. in front of me. So I fell in love with the art book. And when I saw the film, I was like, huh. I thought Night on Bald Mountain was like the majority of the film. I was waiting for like <laughs> that to be the thing. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, it's like a segment in a thing within yeah. a thing within a thing. Big letdown for you. Yeah, yeah. that was a little bit of a letdown. Um, man, I don't – if – jeez. Um, I got nothing for you Got guys. nothing. I got nothing. Uh, Joaquin will survive. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm living. He, 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 want, he wants to live. He's the best media trained here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, I love so everybody. Joaquin, you're first up. Here we go. All right. Uh, Despicable Me or Kung Fu Panda? Kung Fu Panda. Ooh, nice. I think that might be the right answer. Okay. <laughs> uh, Kemp, uh, Moana or Your Name? Moana. Ooh, really? I love Moana. I really love Moana. Hot take. Uh, Justin, I'm ready to hurt you a little bit, so mm-hmm. just because. Go for it. Uh, Jungle Book, the... 1967 version, obviously, just to be clear for people. Or Ghost in the Shell. Oh, Jungle Book. I mean, mm. you're talking to me, so. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I watched that movie probably a thousand times growing up. I mean, I'll fight you where we stand. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Ghost in the Shell, if we're talking like – like in terms of in terms of academically speaking, like who's the like what's the most amazing like academically sure, speaking sure, sure. movie? Ghost in the Shell. Speaking but, to your but, soul. If you, but if you're just talking like which one am I gonna watch on a Saturday night with a box of popcorn? Jungle Book. There you go. Okay. I wanna hurt Joaquin. Uh Coraline or Fantastic Mr. Fox. Ooh. Coraline. Boo. Ooh. Sorry. Boo. Boo. Answer. That's right. I'll Boo this man. <laughs> See? See how we do? Uh, Kent, Persepolis or How to Train Your Dragon? Persepolis. And I love How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, I adore that film. film, but Persepolis was revelatory to me. Justin, Chicken Run or Monsters, Inc.? Monsters, Inc. Correct answer. Wow. Uh, Joaquin, Princess Mononoke or Batman, Mask of the Phantasm? Oh, man. You're asking me to like kill friends yeah. on this one. Um, I have to go Princess Mononoke. It was mm-hmm. pretty life-affirming. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. I was trying to think if I... I slayed I literally many friends you. on that yeah, one. Yeah. They died. <laughs> I'm never going to talk to you again. <laughs> uh, Kemp, uh, Wreck-It Ralph or Wallace and Gromit? Wallace and Gromit. Like, I'm assuming... Like, wait, which one? The wrong trousers? Oh, oh sorry. Uh, Curse of the Wear Rabbit. Oh, the Oscar Wreck-It Ralph. Bam. Yeah, there you yeah. go. I like the wrong trousers. Really I like yeah. how you came back yeah. that way to correct that. <laughs> Uh, Justin, Akira or Alice in Wonderland? Oh, that is a tough one. <laughs> wow, that's killing some babies right oh, there. Because those are like so different and they're equal. But, oh, man, that is a tough one. <laughs> you, that, is a, that is a... I oh, can't even make eye contact with you right now. That's, <laughs> that is painful, dude. But if I had to pick one, and then I would say Akira. It's right. beautiful. I, I, I see the t- single teardrop that just <laughs> that, happened. That hurts to say. D- that really hurts to say. Like, Joaquin, uh, Grave of the Fireflies oh or Cinderella? Jeez. Oh, lordy. Now I can't look at Justin. Um, <laughs> I'm prob- I had a very unique experience with Grave of the Fireflies, not knowing what it was, waking up on an 
early, early morning in my teens and putting on IFC and assuming I was watching some Ghibli film and being moved to tears by the time 8.30 rolled around. So I'm going to go Grave of the Fireflies. I think it's a good one. All right. Kemp, I want to hurt you. Okay. Iron Giant or Nightmare Before Christmas? Holy crap. Uh, wow. Those are two of my ultimate uh, favorites. Oh, man. You know, I got to say Nightmare Before Christmas, mm. man. I really, really, really – I adore both of those movies. Yeah. But I sing those songs. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I sing them like they are burned into my psyche. Yeah, I'm going to go Nightmare Before Christmas. Apologies to Brad Bird because Iron Giant is also so influential and it's totally behind. I mean, I think Pete Sohn was an animator. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. that, yeah, Iron Giant like changed animation, but Nightmare Before Christmas, I have to pick it. All right. Henry Selleck. I brought his name up. There it is. Brad Bird up again for yeah. you, Justin. Incredibles or Ratatouille? Oh, that's a tough one. But I would have to say. I liked Ratatouille better. Okay. I, I love that movie. Joaquin, Wally, or Up? Damn, brother. Um, golly, bud. This is a rough one. Uh, my kid absolutely, like, Wally was the first film that he could watch because he's very tough mm. at watching films, Wally, for whatever reason. Um, I'm going to Wally. I'm going well. That's a rough one, man. That one hurts. Uh, Kemp, Little Mermaid or Lion King? We already know what your answer is, yeah, Justin. Yeah. And I don't for like me, it. it's Lion King, as it should be, <laughs> as it should yeah, be. But Little Mermaid should. is yes, Little Mermaid is, is, yeah. is great. But Lion King. All right, the last rounds. It's it hurts the most. Justin, you have Shrek or Toy Story? Oh, Toy Story. Easy. Easy. I mean, Easy. That, right? that was a gimme. Come on. Yeah. Ask right. me a harder one. All right. Uh, how about Toy Story 2 or Shrek 2? How about Toy Story 3 is one of the greatest films ever made? Yeah, that is true. How about that? It's one of the greatest films ever made in any medium ever. Agreed. It is the only series, aside from the before series, and maybe Spider-Verse. I don't know yet, guys. <laughs> but um, that the movies get better with each one, and each one is a, is great on its own. Yes, that's before sunrise, before sunrise, before sunset, before midnight, yeah, all yeah. get better. Yeah, yeah, Toy yeah. Story gets better as it goes along. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, mean, I felt good about that, and you. I think I, w- I will say I think Shrek is also sort of generational in a way. If mm. uh, mm-hmm. humans of a certain age, Shrek was like, okay, it's happening. It changed the game. Maybe we didn't connect with it in the way that like kids. I, I will say Shrek is like an aesthetic now. Yeah, I yeah. see for, kids for on the kids. internet that are like for my head kids. to toe decked out in yeah. Shrek gear. Mm-hmm. You know, because it was funny because that's like cause Shrek is what two thousand one. Yeah, I feel like two thousand one, like two thousand four. That's when like voice acting was like really ele- like getting allegedly elevated. Yeah, Because yeah. that's like Eddie Murphy, you got Ellen DeGeneres and Finding Nemo right. in that mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Like there was a there was a, a real run there that everyone was like, oh, we know these guys and they're bringing characters to life outside of the screen. Mm-hmm. I just found out that Farley was the original voice of Shrek. He did. The entire, the entire thing, and then passed away. And the, the few lines that I didn't know they that. were waiting to pick up. David Spade just said this publicly, so I'm not oh, like yeah, releasing yeah, yeah. this as infi- insider information. But they uh, they were going to get his brother to do like ADR or something like that, and he was just too he couldn't do it. He was too busted up. But he sounds exactly wow. like. Him, but he did the entire film. Well, when this is done recording, because I won't say it on because no one <laughs> knows it, but I'll tell you who the original voice of Mike Wazowski in Monsters Inc. What? Oh, oh man. man. Yeah. Love it. 
<laughs> All right, last last round around. It's you. Your turn, right? Yep. Yep. These are the last three. Uh, blah, 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 sorry. No worries. Uh, we have Fantasia or Bambi. I'm gonna go Bambi. Yes, it, I mean yeah. it. Yes, it Thank just you. destroyed me when I was a kid Thank in you. all the right ways. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yours is Beauty and the Beast or Sleeping Beauty. Beauty and the Beast. First okay, movie, movie man. Man. <laughs> I love Yeah, it's great. I'm especially good at expectorating. <laughs> <laughs> and Justin, bring us home. I think I already know what you're gonna do, but uh, we have Spirited Away. Or Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh, Spirited Away. Bam. That's, yeah. That's the right answer. Correct. Yeah. We, we respect Snow White. We know <laughs> yes, what it means. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yes, yeah, all that, but Spirited Away changed the game. It did. It did. Uh, guys, I thank you for all this time with me. Uh, to end it out right now, Spider-Verse, the next one, 2024, 2025. What are we, what are we telling me? Oh, everybody. Come yeah. on. Mm. Come on. You're, you keep this trying. Year, this year or next year? We will never say anything about I just want to know, date. is it this year or next year? Yeah. Is there a possibility that it's next year? I will say this. It's such a beautiful view out that window <laughs> yeah. behind you, Clayton. Uh, really how can a... we really think about dates when we got this view behind us? I'm not. Whenever it comes out. You can out, see the Getty Center from here. You can. There you it can. is. It's amazing. I, all I can promise you is that whenever it does come out, it's going to be beyond your expectations oh the beauty of there the of there yeah yeah well you can't fault clayton for trying at least that's spider-man across the spider-verse directors kemp powers joaquin dos santos and justin k thompson whose film is nominated for best animated feature at this year's oscars and that's it for this edition of variety's award circuit podcast Zach Levin edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit. For your consideration, Max presenting The Last of Us, the HBO original series starring Pedro Pascal as Joel, a hardened survivor hired to smuggle Ellie, a 14-year-old girl, out of an oppressive quarantine zone. What starts as a small job soon becomes a brutal and heartbreaking journey as they depend on each other for survival. Don't miss the critically acclaimed series Empire Calls, a masterpiece. Nominated for four SAG Awards, including Outstanding Performance by an Ensemble in a Drama Series, The Last of Us is now streaming on Max.